In 2009, I spent two hours building a website that would end up shaping my entire career. And in this episode of Octal FM, I'm going to tell you the story of that website, which was a tool for monitoring trends on Twitter called Twitterfall. Hello and welcome to another episode of Oxl FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And today we're going to go for something maybe a little bit offbeat for us. Yeah. But as something that we think may be a little bit more what people are wanting from our listeners. Maybe draw in yeah. a few different kind of uh, different listeners. Because we're going for something maybe a little bit more informal. Something because we mostly be a chat, mm. but rather than it being a chat about, like, say, a topic that we both discuss, like when we've done things like talking about like our favorite video games or mm. series or whatever, it's more of a discussion around one of our experiences. Yeah. And specifically, we're going to discuss you, <laughs> or more specifically, <laughs> your involvement and uh, the effects of your creation of Twitterfall. Yeah. We were sort of inspired, I guess, by listening to other podcasts and also feedback from people informally about talking about, you know, the th- we talk a lot about topics that we're very passionate about, but never sort of personal stuff, right? Like, that's the thing. Which, now, I thought maybe wouldn't be very interesting, yeah. but I mean, if that's the feedback, then, um, yeah, go yeah, for it. exactly. It's, it's interesting. So, you know, if you if you like this episode, once you finish listening to it, then definitely let us know and we'll do more stuff like this. Because, I mean, this is pretty easy as well. Like, yeah. the other shows do take quite a bit of note-taking, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, a bit of research. This is just us kind of sitting and chatting. <laughs> talking about ourselves is like... Is super we know easy. that. <laughs> we wanted to start by talking about, as you say, about Twitterfall. And, and for those that don't know, which is hopefully a lot of you, otherwise this is going to be a very boring episode. When you say hopefully, but if everyone knows, imagine that. How cool would that be? Well, that would be cool. But there you go. I've alluded before that um, you know I'm a software developer and I write code and stuff like that. One of the things that I've built myself, or with a friend actually, um, was this product. If you want to, for want of a better word, product called Twitterfall. And as you can imagine, it's related to Twitter. Um, but before we talk about what it is, this is quite a while ago. I actually started, we actually started building this in the very beginning of 2009. So just to set the scene and to think about what, you know, compared to now and compared to where social media is now and where the internet is now in society and all of that kind of thing. In 2009, I, I checked the revenue figures for Facebook because I was trying to find like a Facebook <laughs> comparison to sort of see, you know, where, where it was because everyone knows about Facebook. Um, and Facebook was earning easily less than 5% of what it earns now, like revenue-wise. Pretty mad. And you don't think 2009 was that long ago, really? Either. It's like, oh, yeah, it was only 2009. Oh, that was that was eight yeah. years ago. Oh, wow. Facebook had only been open to anyone registering for three years. You know, it, it had been founded, Facebook's was like 2004 or something like that, five. Um, and then in 2006 or seven, it opened up to anyone registering over the age of 13. And so 2009 was like early days Facebook, basically. Mm-hmm. Bar- Barack Obama had just won his election, but isn't actually, at the point that I, we started making Twitter fall, he wasn't in office. He hadn't been inaugurated yet. Steve Jobs was alive, but he wasn't very well. And the iPhone 3G 
had just come out six months ago. So it was like peak hype around the iPhone kind of, you know, you know, the iPhone was really cemented when it was the 3G, I think. Um, and It, was it sort became of, sort of what we know as the iPhone now, really. Exactly. Like, you got to the point where you've got apps and stuff like that and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, you know, beyond that sort of first year or so of kind of just being a little bit weird and no one really quite knowing what it was. And you said this was also, like, a few, even just a few hours or something before, um, was it Macworld, is it? A- Apple, the Apple conference? Exactly. And that's why I'm sort of, you know, mentioning the iPhone and stuff, because that Apple is does tie into this, to the story a little bit. I was in my second year of university and I was studying computer science, obviously. <laughs> and I was actually down in Devon and I was staying with um, Tony, who obviously I was not, we were not married then, but we are now. Uh, and it was, as you said, it was, it was like... It was about two hours before the Macworld, the Apple keynote at Macworld. Um, and Macworld was, at the time, it was a an Apple commercial kind of conference in the States. Uh, and Apple used to present there and they would show off their new products. I think they were about to show off a new MacBook Pro um, and some new software and stuff. It wasn't anything major. Um, and they were also about to say, about to announce that um, I think iTunes was going DRM free at that point. So that's how, you know, we're talking about when that's iTunes was, ago kind of, it was like early on, this is early on in iTunes kind of life. And yeah, so it's, it's like two hours before and Twitter, what it was at the time, it was a very nerdy social network. You know, every, the biggest people on Twitter were geeks. Uh, and there were no celebrities really, or very few celebrities were on Twitter at this time. I remember it sort of taking off because that was when I used to watch, uh, sorry, listen to like Dignation. Yeah, uh, exactly. The podcast. And I remember them talking about it on there, like yeah. as the new thing that was like still exactly. kind of starting out. Definitely. I mean, Twitter launched in 2006, but Twitter, there was ages of Twitter early on Twitter before it really, you know, opened up. At first it was a text messaging based platform, you know, and mm. you could only text between and that was the primary sort of use of it. Um, that's why it's 140 characters. But yeah, like people like Kevin Rose from Dignation and Dig, and they were like the biggest people on Twitter. There were no celebrities. So Twitter was like super hyped. And also this was like peak Twitter going down all the time. Like Twitter was notoriously unreliable. It was known for being crushed under its the weight of its success. And they were basically just spending all their time focusing on the fact that they were growing and people were using it and they could not cope. Two hours before the conference, Twitter was already like creaking at the seams. Um, it was going slow. It was it was like down a little bit. Uh, everything was just kind of struggling because everyone is on there and they're searching for tweets about Macworld and they're waiting for like tweets and photos and live tweets and stuff like that coming from the from the conference. And I just had this idea and I was like, instead of everyone, because at the time Twitter didn't update in real time. And so if you wanted to see tweets from a particular hashtag or something like that, you would just have to hit refresh over and over on the search. And the search was really slow because it was like a side thing. I think Twitter had just recently bought a company that was doing search for Twitter. So I was like, instead of everyone pressing refresh all the time, what if I, what if I did the searches for Macworld? And then I did the searches as like fast as I could. And then I just farmed out the tweets in real time, like proper real time to everyone visiting a web page. And this was at the time when real-time websites were not really a thing. Like mm. websites just updating automatically when you were on them. Now everyone thinks, you know, like you're on Facebook and you've got Facebook Messenger there and it's like, you know, chat messages are appearing. This is kind of before all that. Like that wasn't a thing. You didn't get 
real time yeah, updating. Refresh, go to go to the next page. Yeah, you had to refresh, or you had to, or it would be like polling for updates and telling you when there's like oh two new messages, you know, and stuff like that. Like I think at that time, like Gmail was probably the most sophisticated real time service where like new emails would appear in your inbox rather than having to refresh and yeah uh, what was it send receive and that kind of thing yeah but even like hotmail at that time probably needed you to press refresh in order to see if there were new emails and so i was like i'll just do the search and i'll use really like brand new technology just because i was interested in that real-time side of things and i was i thought it was really cool i basically threw up a web page very quickly and I also I have no creative skills whatsoever and I wanted it to look at least like somewhat reasonable and not completely terrible so I messaged a friend of mine Tom Brearley who is at x5315 on Twitter and he was a little bit more creative than me and I messaged him and I was like like we were both not at uni you know it was just it was the start of January so we hadn't gone back after Christmas I don't think and I was like, oh, you know, can you just, can you just give me some colors and give me some styles for this thing? And I like sent him the code and, and, you know, asked him to ask him to do a bit of design for me. Uh, and he just like, you know, pick some fonts, pick some colors, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And I, I threw it up on the web. I didn't, it didn't even have a domain. It was like two, it was two hours before. So I was in a super like mad rush. <laughs> it was like literally five minutes before the conference start. I was like, I just finished and just made sure it was working okay. And I posted a tweet and I tweeted and I said, hey, you know, are you searching for Macworld tweets right now? Like, why don't you check this page where it refreshes for you? Twitter was so low volume or relatively speaking low volume at that point that anyone that was searching for Macworld would have seen my tweet. Um, there was no like curation of like the best tweets or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't even like tweets at this point. There was only, there wasn't it was even very a much just raw, wasn't it? There was no retweet. You couldn't officially retweet. There was like an unofficial retweet system. So I did that. It only searched for Macworld tweets. And during the conference, it basically had like a few hundred people using it. Like I, I tweeted that one tweet. A few people shared that tweet around. Tom and I, like Tom was, obviously he was involved because he was doing the design and stuff and helped me out testing it and and with the code and things. And we were both like, wow, like people are really interested in this and people are interested in following Twitter in real time. You know, we could see that from the fact that Twitter was going down all the time. You know, people were super interested and it was low enough volume then that you could actually read everything that people were tweeting um, about a particular topic. Tom and I, we spent the next sort of few weeks building what eventually became this thing called Twitterfall. And it was basically a glorified version of that Macworld page. But just on the left-hand side, it had the trends, the Twitter trends at the time. Um, and again, those trends that were so low volume that you could search for one of those trends, like a word or a phrase or whatever, hashtag, and read all of the tweets that were coming through. You know, it was that low volume. And that was all it did. It only searched trends. You, I think you could maybe reply to tweets and stuff like that. But even that wasn't initially what was you know, the functionality. It was like super, super minimal. Mm -hmm. But people were interested. It was kind of like, I think it helped people understand what Twitter was. You didn't even have to log in to use it. So even if you weren't on Twitter, you could use Twitter for. Yeah. Uh, and so that kind of helped people understand a little bit about Twitter. Um, and I remember going back to what I was just saying about how like tech people were the biggest people on Twitter. I remember Kevin Rose tweeted it. Um, and to, and like shared a link to Twitter for being like, hey, this is cool or whatever. He was probably one of the top five users on Twitter at the time. So imagine now that would be like Lady Gaga tweeting your yeah. your product. <laughs> like <laughs> that was just crazy. It's pretty mad, you know, relatively speaking. Yeah. 
And that day, I think we had like 9,000 people come onto this website, uh, come onto Twitterfall in one day. You know, it really just kind of snowballed from there. We didn't do any marketing or anything. We just tweeted about it. It's pretty mad that like a, a pet project that you're just like, huh, this would be cool to try this thing that I know how to do out. And it just sort of re- worked and it hit, hit a chord. But exactly. you often find that like, I don't want to say inventions, but you know what I mean? Sort of like the best innovations are just those things, aren't they? Where you just kind of come to you. It's like, why didn't I think of this sooner? Yeah. Like, how is this not already a thing? Yeah. Well, the thing was, is that other people were doing kind of similar things. It was just that we, ours was real time. It was very, you know, there was a bit of animation to sort of, it, it really, I think it just made people th- sort of see what Twitter was about. And I think that's why people found it interesting and compelling. Mm -hmm. We got some media coverage and some press coverage. The biggest one, the biggest thing that I think was sort of impacted us was that we had uh, an email from the Daily Telegraph, which is one of the biggest newspapers here in the UK. I I think actually what we did was we saw a photo from someone who worked there And it was a photo of their office. And in their offices, they had big projectors. Like all of their journalists were on one floor, like an old like banking kind of massive floor. Yeah, I know what you mean. And on the the wall, it had really high ceilings. And on the wall, there were all of these projections of like uh, TV channels. And they had like BBC News and Sky and they had their own website and all of this kind of stuff. And alongside all of these, as big as their own website was Twitterfall showing tweets from all the popular trends which is pretty mad when you think about its origins and And they were doing it to try and get their journalists interested in social media basically they were like you know clearly this is a thing and we're like an old newspaper company we need to try and get interested in this stuff so let's put twitterfall up on the screens so people can see you remember you saying during like the pre-show uh in that it was very much the time when big companies were trying to figure out how to use it and how to make best or not just necessarily just money out of it, but how to make use of the information that it could give you as yeah, well. Yeah, 100%. Everyone, everyone wanted to do stuff with social media and Twitter and had no idea how. <laughs> like, people were just like, what do we do? How does this work? But yeah, like they picked it up and they were like, and or we saw this with this photo and we contacted them and they were like, you should come down, come down to our offices in London, come and have a chat with us. Because in the back of their minds, they're like, these guys know Twitter and like, we want to do stuff with Twitter. Uh, and they posted quite a long, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's still, the the article still works. Um, they posted an article all about us. We were interviewed by one of their journalists. Um, we had a good chat with them. You know, you should go have a read of that if you're, if you're interested. It's kind of funny reading 2009 me and 2009 It's, it's very much Twitter. a time capsule. Yeah, very much so. There's me with long hair as well, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they picked it up. That article was actually around really kind of the peak time for Twitterfall itself. Um, but it was just kind of at the start of this whole story and how it affected me. Um, but just to sort of put some more numbers in there for twi- for the scale of what Twitter for was, it wasn't crazy, but it was very event oriented, if you like. Yeah, for sure. Th- certain things definitely made a big difference. Yeah, because Twitter was very, it was about current events and stuff like that. You know, people were just starting to use Twitter to get news and to hear about things faster than traditional media. And one of the biggest ones of the time was there was a big plane crash in um, like Schiphol Airport. And that day we had 40,000 people access Twitterfall because the, if I remember rightly, it's like the 
the news was broke on Twitter on Twitter in the first place. Like it was it was a proper big Twitter media event, so to speak. You know, people were tweeting from the scene and stuff like that. And that was one of the first times that happened. Obviously, nowadays, that's like pretty much just a given, isn't it? Standard, right? (laughs) That's how a lot of like big, important news even gets out now. But at the time... At the time, that was was really new for people. Uh, And so people were using Twitter to sort of find out stuff about the news. Um, And there were also other things like there was a big Gmail outage. You know, a lot of stuff was very tech-oriented still and very American and and, and Europe-based. They would also have big days around elections and stuff like that. You know, they they would sort of have big days. But the biggest day for the whole of history of Twitterfall was like a month after we started, and that was the Skipole plane crash. But still, to think that in five weeks we went from an audience of sort of, you know, 20 people a day when we first very started it to (laughs) 40,000 in one day. And over time, we turned it from just showing you tweets from popular trends into a full-on fully fledged Twitter clients, which is not really as much of a thing now as it was. But back in the day, there were so many Twitter clients because Twitter's website was terrible and they didn't have their own. So that would be like, <laughs> you know, you had things like Twitterific or TweetDeck or TweetGrid, who was one of our, they were one of our biggest competitors. He worked at um, Twitter for a while as well. Um, so guy on Twitter called Chad, his Twitter username is Jazzy Chad. Uh, and he made a thing called TweetGrid, which was basically like a kind of a ma- mismatch between TweetDeck and Twitterful. And, you know, so you had all of these services for using Twitter. Uh, and that's what we turned Twitterful into. You know, eventually you could do your own searches and search for things that you're interested in. That was obviously the biggest thing that we needed to add to it. Um, but also, you know, just being able to tweet, log in and post tweets and follow your timeline even. Because at first you couldn't even look at your own timeline on it. That's pretty mad. Because we were nerds and we were computer science students and all we did was we just like added features. It had so many features. We had a page of all the features and there were like a hundred because it did so much stuff. And a lot of things we did, other clients at the time didn't do. Uh, Things like you could click on a tweet to see the conversation from that tweet and the history, which now you just do automatically when you're on Twitter. But at the time that wasn't a thing. We were the only ones that did that. Uh, things like image previews when you hovered over a link to an image, because this was before Twitter let you embed images in tweets, and things like hovering over a URL to expand it because everyone used URL shorteners because there was no automatic URL shortening, which there is now. Uh, and all of those kinds of things, like we just did so much stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to think that all of those things haven't always just been there. Yeah. But they haven't, like you say, and... Uh... I wouldn't, it wouldn't go as far to say it's like you invented these things. Because no. I think if you did, you'd probably have a much more prominent role within Twitter rather than, <laughs> um, you know, the software development that you do instead. But it's still pretty cool that from such a humble beginning sort of thing, you know, and yeah. I, I guess a lot of these kind of big tech startups kind of almost start that way. No one starts yeah. going, I'm going to make the next big thing on the internet. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's such a small, simple thing that you put mm. out like, you know, middle of the night and then all of a sudden it's imitating kind of big releases. Yeah, definitely. We never really felt like that at the time. It never really sunk in that we'd built something that like, you know, even even when everything died down from the sort of big daily events, it was still like a thousand people a day were going on Twitterfall and using it, um, interacting it, uh, which is a huge amount. And now when I look back at those early numbers and some of those figures. And I'm like, wow, like that was 
crazy that that didn't sink in, that we'd built something so big when we were, you know, just two university students in our sort of second year of uni. You know, we built that sort of, no one ever offered to buy it or anything like that. Like you hear stories and urban legends and things like that about this kind of thing. And the reality is, is that although 40,000 people is a huge number of people using a website, that doesn't mean that someone's going to buy you for like a million pounds, you know, or, or, or anything like that, because where's that money going to come back? It wasn't, we weren't making any money from it, right? Like that's not, at the end of the day, it still does come down to money. And while we were building something that was very popular and very cool, maybe we could have found a way of monetizing it. Um, and actually that links on to some other stuff. But before getting onto that, there's another story that perhaps we could talk about another time, which is there's only one thing in all of my software development life, which basically I guess started with Twitterful, that was ever bigger than this. And that was a thing called VinePeak, uh, which was like the definition of a viral success. That also made basically no money, um, but <laughs> it had half, doing it wrong. Yeah, oh, clearly, it had half a million users in one month, That's and on one day when it launched, it had one hundred and twenty thousand people use it, and it was so viral that there is a Penny Arcade comic um, about <laughs> Vine Peak, which is basically the peak of my career and my life as a software developer is to have someone make a web comic someone like penny arcade <laughs> make a web comic about something you made i'm not I, I don't know i don't know if i'll ever top that to be honest <laughs> i mean it's it's one of those flash in the pan things that you just yeah. couldn't predict and you can't yeah. recapture on purpose so probably not but it's still something very very cool and you could always aspire to it and yeah. uh, build maybe something better that just isn't quite necessarily as viral like yeah, you say exactly and the thing is is that twitterful did have a big impact on my life and the reason i do what i do now is basically because of twitterful although it never really made any money apart from directly you know we didn't sell anything and you did, you couldn't pay to use it or anything like that and maybe we could have maybe we could have done something there but anyway it doesn't matter it's, it's in the past but we did make some money from donations but very very little i mean it didn't actually really cost anything to run so the donations did surprisingly cover quite a lot of the hosting cost Nice. And there is one interesting story about donations, which was the largest donation that we ever had was £100. And that was actually six years after Twitter Full came out, we had this donation. It was in December 2014. And sorry, not six years, five, well, five and a, five and a bit, nearly six years. It was from a, a person, I won't say who it was, uh, even though it was a long time ago. And they, I, I looked them up because I was like, wow, like this is this a huge donation. This is the biggest donation we've ever had. And it turned out that they were, they worked for Sony, uh, specifically for the PlayStation network. And I was like, that's interesting. Why, why is this person donated a hundred pounds? There was no message or anything like that. And it was because, or I, I assume I can only guess that donation came through about 20 days after a huge um, Sony uh, PlayStation Network hack where the PlayStation Network, which is the online service for playing games on the PlayStation, I guess PlayStation 3 then. Um, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, of course it would have been. It, it was hacked and it was, it was offline for quite a long period of time. And I remember at the time seeing in the logs and actually for a long time afterwards in the logs on Twitter full of, of things that people search for, there were loads of searches around like 
Sony and PSN down and all of those kinds of things, like things that people say about, you know, a, a service, if it goes down or if it's slow or broken or hacked or whatever. And I can mm-hmm. only assume a lot of people use Twitter for that they they have it on a big screen and they'll have it, you know, searching for their brand or their company name or something like that. And I can only assume this guy had had it maybe in their operations room or something like that. And they had it on a screen and they were using it to monitor, you know, social media chatter around the, the problems that they were having or even, you know, as a monitoring tool in the future to see when mm. the, you know, there were people with having issues with the network. Uh, and, you know, I guess maybe he, th- you know, that was useful to them. And so he donated, but I never, ever, I never heard anything. I, I sent emails and I never got any responses or anything like that. I, it's just a, it's a little bit of a mystery, but I can, I'm guessing that I'm probably right. Um, but it's kind of cool, you know, and there's a lot of cases yeah. like that, like the, the numbers, even now we still have about 7,000 p- people use Twitter for a month. The numbers don't really tell the whole story because a lot of the time it is on big screens. Yes. Just kind of sat there the whole time. Yeah. And so it's like, there's more than there's more than one person's eyeballs looking at that but also that both inflates and deflates the number because it's like it's there all the time so that counts as a user for the whole month but at the same time they're not really using it so they're just it's just yeah, kind of just there, kind of sat there. Yeah, doing um you know i do sometimes wonder if there are like computers randomly sat still displaying twitter full after like three years i mean it wouldn't surprise in me a corner. Like, if, if it does get set up for the very purpose like you described to mm. monitor social media chatter about a particular incident and then maybe it just gets forgotten about in an office or you yeah. know, left open on a server somewhere, exactly. and, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's been very reliable despite the fact that it's only me looking after it and it doesn't really cost anything to run. But yeah, so apart from the donations, we did do some work as students to sort of supplement our, our student income. Uh, we, did, we did a bit of work with the people, those people, the aforementioned companies that are desperate to do stuff with Twitter, but didn't really know. There's, I did an eye roll there, if you couldn't tell this. <laughs> they were desperate to do something with Twitter and not be left behind, particularly and then the when media. they found out that it was like two 18-year-old lads, and it was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> easy money. Yeah, we, it, it sounds so cliche, but what we didn't have was any advice. We didn't mm-hmm. have anyone, our university weren't really, they were like, this is cool, can we use it? You know, as far as like, te- you know, telling people that our students built this thing. And we were like, yeah, that's fine. You know, it's only fair. Like we were brought together because of, of the, the course we were doing, you know, and they didn't, they never stopped us, you know, traveling to London to see the Telegraph and stuff like that. There was no, you know, they didn't mind that it impacted our studies a bit. But we never, they never sort of said, oh, okay, we're going to find someone who is like in the business world who can give you some advice about how to do something with this. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I I don't regret it and I don't wish that things were different. And I don't think, oh, if only we'd like done this, then we'd be millionaires or anything like that. But (laughs) it's just kind of like, it just feels like a shame. What if? It feels like. Now, if something like that happened to someone else, I'd be like, oh, you know, you'd, you'd be like, I hope that they get some advice. You know, you just need someone who is on your side, who tells you, don't be silly, put a zero on that. Or like, yes. you know, don't charge hundreds, charge thousands. And like, mm-hmm. don't say yes to that contract. And, you know, don't do this. Are you crazy? Like you need someone who, because we're obviously like, we're students, we don't know. We get and, swept away with it, yeah, don't we? Because you, exactly. you've never had to deal with this before. This exactly. this almost seems like too good to be true sort of thing. Even 100%. though to the companies, it's just another like another day in the office sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, exactly. and to them, it means nothing, no matter what you say or do. Exactly. So they're probably going to go, yeah, fine, no problem, done. Exactly. But and you're also, like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and and sometimes you'd probably be told things that you wouldn't want to hear. You know, the advice would be, would be things that you'd be like, oh, that's not like but at the same time you really need that and i think that we missed out on having that yeah but nonetheless i I don't regret it because you know we did do some fun stuff in april of 2009 so a few months after we built it we did some work for the daily telegraph the people that uh, interviewed us and what they did is they embedded a version of twitter fool on their websites around the budgets in 2009 so like that's Mm -hmm. a you know government thing here where the budget of government spending is announced what's funny is that that i'll I'll link to there's an interesting guardian article where the the guardian basically rag on the telegraph because of course they do saying like oh you know silly telegraph they put you know tweets on their website and people were trolling it because people worked out how to get their tweets on there because it wasn't moderated so they were posting stuff like oh stupid telegraph like you know, people could tweet stuff. And what's funny is like, people are like, oh, how how could they not think this would happen? And what's funny is behind the scenes, they knew, like they knew the first, the moment they put it there, they were like, we're going to put this up and eventually people are going to twig and then we're going to take it down. As soon as people twig, we'll give them like five minutes of fun and then we'll take it down. And they did it on purpose. They did it to generate interest. Yeah, and they didn't course, care yeah. that people were posting silly things on their website because... It was worth it. People to come back in the first place yeah. to have a look, see if it was still there, and then yeah. on the website anyway. It's like worth it for a Guardian article about your coverage. You know, it's like getting another newspaper to post about you. <laughs> you know, and there were things like that. You know, some some things were really weird. The things that we we did. I remember we did we did something for like a weather company in the Netherlands or something. Like there was some really right. weird stuff that we did, like just random things that came out of the blue. All of it we were paid, you know, next to nothing for. We did some work with ITV, but I can't even remember what it was. And sure, we also did, interesting. yeah, well, clearly not. And a lot of it was just like, can you embed a moderated version of Twitter fall? And I think that's where we missed out on the monetization side of things. Yeah. We could have turned that into a real product. Now those are, there are products out there now that still exist that for sort of making a moderated version of Twitter fall. And in fact, if you search for like Twitter fall or alternative to Twitter fall, you get like marketing websites for other services where they're like oh. are you using twitter for your um for your conference and do you wish it had moderation blah 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 it's so funny reading like your product your like pet thing that you made in like two weeks being used as like a marketing as a like slogan. this is yeah. our rival our rival <laughs> company and i'm like nah like it's just it's just me <laughs> <laughs> hello but we also did stuff like we did some work for fox and what they did is they, it's classic, like, we don't know what to do with Twitter. Um, they reran episodes of Fringe and Glee, and they had an overlay over the episode that showed people's tweets, like people tweeting about the show. Mm-hmm. And they needed to get that feed from somewhere and they couldn't do it themselves. And so they asked us. And what we had to do is we had to build this little interface that let them moderate tweets and then feed it into this ancient system that would then display them on the tv and looking back i'm like i wonder if there was a final step there where they checked the data from us because otherwise we could have put stuff on the tv that they weren't expecting yeah you probably could have done anything you wanted (laughs) realistically because if they needed to hire you guys to to kind of make that happen chances are there wasn't someone to kind of like proofread your code and (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, so funny. I mean, at the end of the day, sure, it wasn't really about making lots of money, but you kind of go back to the very first night when you were sat there, you know, yeah. in Devon, putting it together, you know, literally throwing it together like an hour before Macworld happened. And it was all for about the experience. And it's definitely been a, a large part of your life. Mm. And it's been interesting for me to hear about as well, because we were sort of, uh, we were a bit distant at that point. Not for any real reason. We just sort of, you know, went different ways. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. So like this was all happening when I didn't really know you very much. So it was, it's, it's kind of interesting to, to hear all about it because yeah. it, it's definitely led to where you are now as a, a very big part of it. Yeah, actually, I mean, Tom and I both did a write-up out of Twitterful, really, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, he now actually works at Twitter as a developer, and he works there because he went there for their... They did so like a conference for people working with the Twitter API and using developing things on Twitter. Uh, and so he went out there, and he actually went out there, and it was like, it was when there was this that massive volcanic eruption in Iceland... Oh yeah, and there was like one. a huge ash cloud, and no one could fly anywhere, and so he got stuck out there in San Francisco. And they were like, "Well, while you're here, why didn't you interview for a job?" <laughs> so he basically <laughs> he basically went through that whole interview process because he was just stuck there. And by the time I think basically by the time he came back, or like shortly afterwards, we hadn't even finished uni, uh, and he <laughs> he'd he'd got a job offer, uh, and he wow. came back and he was like, "So I actually don't really care about finishing." this degree now i just he just needed to finish it uh and yeah. then he could go out and 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 he was going to be moved out to twitter to san francisco uh, and he still works there now and i still look after twitterful but obviously it's not that's not my day job but people remembered us particularly in the uk media circle you know the work we did with the telegraph and stuff like that and so somehow i ended up getting invited to go and do some work for News International, or when it was called News International. Uh, and I did some work there. And I worked uh, as a developer for The Times, and I was doing some cool, pretty cool stuff there. Uh, and I met someone there and worked with someone there who I helped him start the company that I now work for today. Um, so that's basically all down to the fact that we made Twitter for, there was some media coverage, people sort of met us and remembered us. And then I ended up working for a news company for a bit and then met people there. And that is where I am now. That is a lot of how the internet's kind of come about, isn't it? Like yeah. small innovations that have kind of just kind of blown up. I mean, Twitter itself is just that, really, isn't it? It was sort of like a pet project. It was. Got reused, and then it's just exploded into like pretty much the primary, primary method of communication within the social media age. Do you know what's funny about the fact that we're talking about Twitter and Twitterfall and side projects and it's a podcast is that Twitter was, it was definitely a side project. And you know what the main project was that they that, that the people who founded Twitter were working on? It was mm. Odeo, which was a podcast network um, and a go. service for finding podcasts. And, Full circle. Yeah. And that now we're talking about it on a podcast. They were one of the people that sort of, you know, really helped influence the, the podcast uh, world. Uh, and that's what they were making at the time. Mad. Well, I'll tell you what would be very cool is after all that, if we get a message from someone saying, wow, I didn't realize I still use Twitter for look work. <laughs> I mean, how mad would that be? That would be so, really cool. If you have used it before or you find that like you end up using it as a result of listening to this episode because you think, actually, that's quite a cool little idea. Then there are definitely better things out there now. <laughs> no, no, not at all. You can't beat the classics. Remember that, you know. 
And you don't don't worry about that donate button. If you want to press that donate button, you can do, but don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but let us know nonetheless, because I'm sure it would absolutely make your day to know yeah, that definitely. people were still like discovering it. Not just like the ones still using it, like just because it's on their desktop sort of thing every single day, but people who are sometimes discovering it going, actually, this is quite a cool service, you know, do let us know. It's really interesting hearing, even now, very occasionally, I hear a story about Twitterfall or, you know, someone tweets about it and it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, I've got a collection actually that Tom put together of like media clippings and stuff like that. And there's sort of like little bits of footage of Twitterfall being in the background of the news and stuff like that. <laughs> um, there's one story which I want to get out there about, you know, that sort of like people recognizing you, so to speak. Uh, and the closest thing I have to that is actually not that long ago. And it's a guy called Jack Dearlove. Uh, and he also ran a podcast actually called Anecdote FM. And he interviewed my mum on it. So go and have a listen to that. <laughs> I won't say any more. You just have to go and find out what, that was, what that's all about. Ooh. But in passing, when he came up and interviewed my mum, and I was taking him back to the, to the train station, and I mentioned in passing that I'd made Twitter fall or something like that. And he was like, you, you, you are the guy. You made Twitter for. <laughs> oh my god! It was that was it was so useful. It was so like because he worked in media, and so it was that classic thing like the Telegraph. You know, it was like it got people interested in Twitter, and it was you know like a useful tool for that and that kind of thing. And he was like, "Oh, Twitter for that was so yeah, that was such a big deal for us." And I'm like, "That's the first. That's the pretty much the only time that I had." that kind of reaction like yeah. sometimes people were like oh yeah yeah i think i know what you mean i think I, yeah yeah i think i've used that I think I remember but that, he was yeah. like oh my god i can't believe it <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a small little world i mean media is a small world so it's not surprising but definitely, still that's yeah. everyone knows everyone that's a cool thing that happened definitely but yeah maybe you now you can be person number two to do that and you can email in uh, at show at octal.fm and say oh my god i, I was, i've been listening day. I've been listening for 25 episodes and I had no idea, 26 even, and I had no idea that you were the person who made Twitter fall. <laughs> that would make your day, bless you. It would. Or you can tweet. You can go onto Twitter fall, log in and tweet me. <laughs> From Twitter fall. From Twitter fall. Um, and we're at Octal FM on Twitter. And definitely let us know if you've enjoyed this episode. And if you like this style, because I mean, yeah. we can do pretty much as many as these we realistically need to. Until we run out of interesting stories. But there's definitely a few more, we can tell. A hundred percent. But yeah, definitely let us know. But otherwise, hope you've enjoyed this little chat. A little, little trip down memory lane for me, uh, which is fun. I'm Gelada, the co-founder of Twitterfall. And <laughs> I've been Sefran. And catch us again for another episode of Optal FM very soon in your ears. We were both like, Derek, don't stop me. I'm not <laughs> yeah, Is that what uh, is that what Tom said? He was it? He said Derek. He said Derek, shut up. Don't meow. Do you know if the cards had fallen slightly differently, this could be like an alternative to the the social movie network. Yeah, the social network <laughs> movie. Sorry, you know what you want to mean. Like you could easily make a film out of that and get like you know. Jesse yeah. Eisenberg to star for you again. <laughs> Definitely could. <laughs>